0: Welcome to the Renaissance Church Podcast. Our mission is to glorify God and to make disciples by bringing the gospel into all of life in all the earth. This is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church here in Richmond, Texas. And if you've not joined us in a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we would love to have you join us. You can find out more information at rin churchorg And I pray that you are encouraged and edified by the proclamation of God's Word today. Man, it's good to be with you guys, as always. And um, we're going to, if you have your Bible or you look at it on your phone or whatever, if you want to open up to Psalm 23, I just think we should just get right in today. Is that all right? Good job. We're into this. So um, we're going to just kind of read a little bit of it, and then talk about it, read a little bit more, talk about it, that sort of thing, come back and really focus in on, on right, right in the middle of it. So let's just start right here. Psalm 23, starting in verse one, probably heard this a million times, maybe more than you've heard any other chapter. If you've ever been to a funeral, it's been read. Like it's, if you memorize things as a kid, you memorize this. And, um, but the, the danger in something that's so familiar is that it's so familiar, we sometimes forget to stop and, and just kind of dig all of the riches that it has out of it. And there's just some really powerful, really beautiful things in here. And so just praying for all of us that we just have the opportunity to see this afresh and anew. Um, for this particular season that we find ourselves in right now, so starting in verse one, it says, "The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and He leads me in paths of righteousness for his names And and while we 're right here, I just want us to just highlight this idea of the Lord is." our shepherd. And, and so we're just going to put a picture up here for you just to get us thinking about, you know, we are sheep. Now here's the unfortunate side of Psalm 23. Sheep are not known for their brilliance, right? Sheep are known for the opposite of their brilliance. Sheep are known for not being able to figure things out in a way that makes the best sense for a sheep. A sheep has no sense of strategic vision. Uh, a sheep doesn't make goals for the week. A sheep is not operating a five year life plan of any kind. They're just waking up and doing whatever the shepherd tells them to do. And in our, you know, if you think kind of back to the garden, it's like the the desire to be more, to have more knowledge, to have more control of our lives is what got us in trouble into the, the first place. And so we, if if God is the shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, that makes us the sheep. And like, that's not an insult, but it's like, if you're the smartest person in this room, we got some smart people in this room, I've hung out with a lot of you, like, you're smart people. But compared to God, you're not. Compared to the good shepherd, we're, we're just... Scratching the surface, our, the most brilliant mind is only still only using just a fraction of the capacity of the mind that God has given you, and so there's all of this extra that exists in the shepherd, and and we are sheep in need of a shepherd, and if we're not able to first just kind of recognize our position as sheep, then a shepherd doesn't make much sense to us, and we live in a time where everybody wants to be their own shepherd, where everybody wants to be in that place of control, influencing everybody. Else. Else, but that is not the way the kingdom of God works and operates. And I want to just reinforce this from the book of John. And this is from John chapter 10. It'll be on the screen. You can turn there if you want. But these are red letters. If you have a red letter Bible, this is Jesus himself speaking. And Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the father knows me. And I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold that I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. And that's from John 10. Um, And what I want us to understand about that is that he's not just the shepherd, he's the good shepherd. He is your good shepherd. And part of the reason that we need to understand that is we need to see where we fit in God's calling and God's plan. And He's not some distant entity. Believing in God is not like, just like, let me read all this and make sure that I understand everything. Like, it is that. And it's not just like religious expectations and it's not doing more good than not doing good. It's about knowing the voice of the shepherd. The point of being a Christian, of following Christ, is that we have this opportunity to relate to the shepherd, to follow a shepherd, to recognize the voice of the shepherd, and I just kind of want us to to start there because I don't know if that's something that's common for everybody. Are you able to hear and recognize and discern the voice of the good shepherd Jesus in your life, or are we just kind of going through some religious motions? Are we just kind of checking a box and doing the things that we know that we're supposed to, and that's why sometimes things are unsustainable because it's just what we're trying to do in our our own power, these things that we think are expected of us as Christian people, and where the bigger point is there's a shepherd, we are the sheep, when was the last time we've heard his voice and followed him closely, heard and responded to his voice, known that that was him, and followed him into something that we wouldn't have done on our own, allowed him to do something in us that we weren't capable of doing on our own because we trusted him as the good shepherd. And so I want us to say this together, right? It's group participation. The Lord is my shepherd. Can we just say that together? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, turn to the person next to you and say, the Lord is your shepherd. Turn to somebody else and say, the Lord is your shepherd. Now, let's get all of this. This is an all play, all right? So it's like, the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. Why are we here? Why are we here in this room? Because the voice of God was heard by our pastor to plant a church in Richmond, recognized and heard and followed the call of God and the who left what they were doing to come here where they didn't know anybody to be available to lead us in Renaissance Church. That's the good shepherd speaking and us, the people responding, and that never stops. That never stops. The good shepherd is the actual senior pastor of our church, and he continues to lead us. The Lord is our shepherd. But don't miss that he's your shepherd. He's my shepherd. This is a personal reality that we should and can know. And I just want you to know that that's something that you can have knowing, relating to, talking to, hearing from, following closely, allowing yourself to experience the fruitfulness of a living, breathing interaction with the good shepherd Jesus sent by God to die on the cross for our sins. And it's not just a transaction. It's an invitation to live in close proximity to the shepherd who is leading us. Okay. So that's my preamble. And then when we have the good shepherd that we're following, it goes on to say, and when I'm following him, I shall not want, I have everything that I need. He makes me lie down. Did you ever have a kid that just like when it was nap time, like hell hath no fury, like an elementary age kid or, you know, younger that will not take a nap, right? He makes me lie down. We're like that. God, I don't want to stop. I don't want to do this. I don't want... He makes me because I trust the good shepherd and he knows what I need more than I did. He leads me beside still waters. Have you ever just spent time beside a still place of water? Holly and I got the chance to go with some friends into this like quaint village and it was in France and we stayed in this little cottage and there was four of us in a cottage that I don't think was designed for four people, but there we were and it was amazing and it was kind of a bit of a hostile environment to Americans, right? Because nobody spoke English and we were being judged for a lot of different things. But it had this little brook, this little creek that was just flowing through it. And when you walked back there, there was nothing else around. And I got up early and I just went out and I just sat by this, these waters that were—they weren't quite still, but they were pretty still. And I just thought of this. It's like, oh, this is nice. When was the last time? That you just were allowed yourself to follow the shepherd beside just some amazing peaceful place where you just went, oh, that's so good. I need this. My soul needs this. My body needs this. The shepherd leads us beside still waters. He restores my soul. So if our soul is not restored, that's an indication of distance between us and the good shepherd. If we're empty, if we're depleted, if we're tired, if we're stressed, if we're frustrated, if we're mad, if we're angry, if we're confused, all of those things happen outside of intimacy with the good shepherd because it shows us here that he leads us in those things. And I don't know if we've learned this, but if there's something that's off in our relationship with God, it's not him, it's us. It's us, it's our position, it's the the stance that we've taken. So we breathe it in. he leads me in paths of righteousness. When you're following the shepherd, it's like, does it make sense that I just wanna do the things that the world thinks is crazy? Why don't I have this desire to be prideful and arrogant and gossipy and um, participating in all of these carnal things that have just become incredibly normal for the world in general? Why do I have a desire to do something different? Because the shepherd leads us in paths of righteousness for his sake, not for our own. Do we live for our sake or are we following the shepherd and living for his sake? Our rest and our restoration and replenishment glorify God. And in our world that celebrates busy over everything, what has God glorified here in Psalm 23? Still waters. Paths of righteousness. Restoring my soul. Those all sound pretty good, right? especially when it's been like 100 degrees forever, right? We just need some of those. We feel some of those tensions. So this just kind of gives us a, a really good overview of positioning ourselves correctly in relationship to God. He is the shepherd. We are the sheep. and we're following him, we experience things that we wouldn't otherwise experience on our own. It goes on in verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff they comfort me. So uh, coming back to that, all right, we're going to spend most of our time looking at that one verse. Verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the good shepherd is leading us. And then we kind of come to these concluding verses. And when it talks about anointing with oil, anointing with oil is like a custom of hospitality that people in the ancient world would have understood. Weary travelers who have been traveling for days when you're welcomed at the home of somebody and you're the honored guest, one of the first things is that they would anoint your head with oil. Just get that dirt and dust and nastiness off you. You might remember Jesus being anointed by Mary. And he was anointing his feet because it was understood that your feet are nasty when you're, you're walking around in dirt roads, right? And so when it's saying that that his cup is overflowing, that he's anointed with oil, it's just a symbol of you're so welcome here in the presence of God. Let me just get some of that off of you and just welcome here to this place. Of peace you anoint my head with oil but look where it says that he does that he prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies so david is not naive he's not saying it's all going to be roses and rainbows he's saying that hey your enemy might be right right there that thing that's opposing you the thing that is after you attacking you like it's not saying it won't be close by but even if it is you can experience the hospitality of God in the hostile situation because he's the good shepherd. So it's not always about getting out of a situation. It's finding the anointing of God in a situation because he's there present with us. And it says that as he over, as he anoints us, our cup actually overflows. And I don't meet a lot of people today who, who they go, I'm doing so amazing. I am overflowing with the grace and the goodness and the mercy of God. Do you want some? I don't hear a lot of that right now. I hear this is hard, this is terrible, what are we going to do? It's hard right now. It's a hard season for almost everybody. But even in that situation, the hospitality of the Lord can allow us to find cleansing and peace. So much so that we overflow. And here's the spoiler alert for the ending. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. All the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's about eternity. So David's calling us up to not just what we experience here following the shepherd, that all of this pales into comparison for the goodness and mercy of dwelling in the heavenly house of God for all of our days. That's where the shepherd is is leading us. And I think that um, right here in the middle, though, is kind of the key. It's kind of where we get hung. When it goes wrong, it goes wrong in verse 4. When separation happens, it happens in verse 4. So we have this beautiful invitation to follow the good shepherd. Then we have this beautiful invitation for blessing, and my cup is overflowing. And goodness and mercy, yes, please, restore my soul, yes, please, rest, yes, please, Where is all of that in our lives? Somewhere in verse four, it's gone wrong, right? So let's look at that for the rest of our time. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they cover me. So we're just gonna kind of look at some kind of key words in this in this verse so the first thing I want to look at is valley in the valley a lot of people right now feel like they're in a valley the last two and a half years have been a a strong valley unprecedented times we're tired of hearing about it but our world has been deeply affected by what we've experienced together Through the valley of the pandemic, it's changed everything. It's changing education, it's changing family, it's changing politics, it's changing uh, normal life, it's changing medicine, it's changing. There's not one piece of life that isn't different because of the valley of the COVID 19 pandemic. That's just true, it's just real. And then on top of that, regular life didn't stop. The things that were hard before didn't stop being hard, they were just added to. There's an amazing amount of transition happening. There's an amazing amount of people looking, of reorienting their lives around certain things. And there's a lot of uncertainty. And so the valley is real, but this is talking about the valley of the shadow of death. So what we're talking about in the valley, it could be literal death experiences. People die. Aren't you glad you came today? Our mortality percentage still is hanging out at 100 There will come a point where our life on this planet ends. And that's not something that we're supposed to be afraid of. It's not supposed to be something we're afraid of talking about. It's not supposed to be something we ignore. This is all heading towards our end here on the earth. So the question is, what are we investing in beyond our Lord willing 70 or 80 years on the planet? The valley of the shadow of death. Some people die in the valley. Some of you have experienced that recently. And it never feels right because death is an unwelcome intruder into our world. It was never supposed to be here. It feels wrong because it doesn't belong here. It's not what God intended. God created man to live, and death is a consequence of sin. And that's why it hurts so bad. That's why it wreaks havoc so much. And so when there's a death in the family or a death to friends or death in the community, it has these ripple effects of anxiety and depression and anger and frustration frustration, and you name it, because it is literally something that doesn't belong in our world, which is why David reminded us that we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what we were designed and created for. But as long as we're here on the earth, we have this death intruder that is something that we have to deal with along the way. And when we deal with that, that can derail us from a close proximity with the good shepherd. It wasn't there it's a consequence of man's rebellion against God and his plan for provision but in this life we will experience loss we will but it's not an excuse to find ourselves separate from the shepherd leading us we can choose to stop following we can choose to run away we can choose to stop trusting him we can choose to stop receiving the anointing oil of hospitality and welcome And we can follow other things, but God has never stopped. The shepherd is always the shepherd, even in times of death and dying. But in the valley of the shadow, it's not always literal death. Sometimes it's just dark and dangerous experiences. Sometimes it's sickness and pain. Sometimes it's traumatic losses. I don't know if you guys remember when, um, I don't know what your, I'm sure you remember the Hurricane Harvey season, um, where your family was and what that was like to you. But we had just moved in to a house over um, in Siena. And we were like a week, a weekend, maybe two weeks in, like, So we were getting used to the area, and we had our phones, and, you know, there was just all these alerts, you know, and it's like, what happens when you get an alert on your phone? If you're like me, you ignore it, right? Like, golly, that's surely the tornado. Yeah, it's a hurricane. I grew up in Houston. Like, we have hurricanes. So what? You know? And so we have these things happening. And then I was looking on Twitter, and it had, like, this National Weather Service alert that was... um, geofenced somehow to our location, and it was saying, tornado touched down, and it was like 0.1 miles away from your house, and I was like, that's close, and, and we wa- I walked out the front door, and I could hear it, and then I saw a flash of lightning that completely destroyed a house two blocks away from where that we live, and so all of a sudden, the alerts on my phone, they meant a little something more. And it was like, goodness gracious, every time we do this, we're going to have to like, and so it's like, kids, we had a big closet, everybody in the closet in our bedroom. So we spent the better part of two days in our master closet and in our room. And it was like, and hanging on the, the, you know, the sound of every alert and every everything. And it was just our normal. And it hit so close to home, we were paying attention to the warnings, Because we were afraid that everything that sounded like it was going to be another instance of immediate danger. It conditioned us to pre-plan for these tragic things that could have a devastating effect on our life and family. And then, like... I don't know. It seemed like I didn't hear an alert for like a long, long time and it was weeks or months. It seemed like, I don't know. It was a long time later and life had gone on and, and everything was normal and all of a sudden, like our a long, this notification started screaming on my phone like one random evening while we were at home. All the kids came out of their rooms and they were like, go to the closet and it was like, no, it's just like a thunderstorm. We're all fine. But like we had this PTSD from this traumatic experience that it happened And just because it was close to home, we were sucked back into the valley just because of a memory of something bad that didn't even happen, but almost happened. And it was a powerful experience. And what we've learned is that traumatic events, like they burn neurological pathways in our brains and they don't go away. And so we're constantly being invited to experience the same trauma, the same stress, the same anxiety, the same fear, the same bad things. Like we, we have an opportunity to just keep believing and thinking about those things if we don't make a decision to follow something better. The valley of the shadow, just because we were in it at one point, doesn't mean that it always leaves. Sometimes it's just hanging around, and so even uncertain and scary experiences can trigger these things or make us feel, anytime stability is threatened, anytime well-being is threatened, the valley is something that we will experience on a regular basis on our life, this side of heaven. And all of these types of things are fair game when we're talking about the valley of the shadow of death. So the valley is real, and it's not awesome. Bad stuff happens there. Bad stuff happens to you. Bad stuff happens to me. And that's what the valley does. But then this next word, I think it's so incredibly important. And we're supposed to look at shadow, right? In the valley of the shadow of death. Because I think we missed this part. But this is an important word for people of faith. Because it doesn't actually say that we're going through the valley of death. Right? Like that's what I feel like I thought this verse said for a really long time. Even though I go through the valley of death, not what it says even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death. So here's what we know. We've all seen kids or been kids scared of what? Our shadow. In the dark of night, if the electricity's out, and when the circumstances are right, a shadow can be absolutely terrifying, right? Even now, Some eerie shadow, like, you know, like it doesn't matter where in the world you are or how old you are, a shadow can evoke a response of fear and anxiety and uncertainty. But here is the thing about a shadow. It's not a true reality. It's a distortion of something that's real. And it's usually exaggerated. Here's the other thing we know about a shadow is that if there is a shadow, it means that there is a source of light somewhere nearby. So even when we're in the shadow, even when we're in the valley, we remember, hey, this is just a shadow. None of this is permanent. None of this is real. And the only reason that shadows are possible is because light is somewhere. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I don't think that's insignificant. So anytime we're feeling out of balance or scared or fearful or anxious, we get to remember, even if we're in the valley, that this is the valley of the shadow of death, not the valley of actual death. Because for those sheep Following the shepherd, there actually is no death. It's just an illusion. Death is just a transition from here on earth to eternity with Jesus. And even literal death for the believer is a portal because of what Jesus has, per. Jesus conquered death on the cross when he was, and then when he was resurrected after that. So death is just a moment in time. It's not the end. It's actually the beginning. So whether it's literal death, something that makes you think of death, something that brings you close to death, something that scares you, something that frightens you, something that makes you anxious, it's all just a shadow. And if we can find the light close to the shadow, we'll be okay. So valley, shadow, and then I love this, through. It's no accident that David says that he's walking through the valley. He's not blindly running through it, right? He's aware of his circumstances. He's not crawling. He's not getting in and turning back. Oh, no thank you, no thank you. He's not doing that. He's not running. He's not sprinting. He's just steady moving forward through whatever life brings. And sometimes it's not magical, but sometimes the most incredible thing you can do is just Keep walking. It doesn't feel right, so you want to bail. It feels hard, you think, ah, no, thank you. Or you're like, I got this, I got this, you're going to get punched in the face. Walk through the valley. You can lie down in the green pastures. You can rest in the provision and rest when he provides it. Like that is a part of the shepherd. But sometimes we're gonna walk through the valley and the most important thing we can do is to just keep going. And for some of you, just getting up today was a major victory. For some people, getting up and getting dressed and facing other people is an incredible step of faith. Just keep going. Find the next Keep going. You may not be able to see it all, but in the valley of the shadow of death, it's gonna make you wanna quit. It's gonna make you wanna bail. It's gonna make you wanna do things that you are not in the path of righteousness. So that's why I think it's so significant that it says he's walking, even though I walk through, through the valley of the shadow of death. So we're going through it, we're going through, we're not looking for property. We're not calling the realtor going, this is nice. Let's just stay here forever and just keep the beatings coming. It's a season and we're going to go through it. And then we're going to get to a different season. That's what David is telling us. We're not over spiritualizing this. It's just like, don't stop. Keep going. It's okay. And I think that it's incredibly significant that Psalm 23 is sandwiched between, this is amazing, right? You know where Psalm 23 is? It's right between Psalm 22 and Psalm 24. That's right where it is. Psalm 22 is quoted by Jesus when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning, oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night I find no rest. How honest is that? This is is in the Bible. This is your example. You can pray this prayer. God, Why have you forsaken me? Jesus prayed this to his father on the cross. You have permission when you're in the valley and the shadows lurking and you feel something terrible to go, God, why have you forsaken me? JJ, can we put that one back up and dive even a little bit deeper into it? And why are you so far from saving me? Where are you? I'm crying out, but you don't answer. I haven't slept in days. This is killing me. That's raw. That's real. Have you ever prayed like that? Have you ever felt permission to pray like that? You can. It doesn't mean you're not following the shepherd. It means you know he's there, and you can reach out to him in this way. So where does he get next? He has a bad moment. He has an honest expression to God. And then that co- the thing that comes next is, well, but the Lord is my shepherd. Where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Here's what I believe, though. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me st- beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's reminding his soul, right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So before that, agony. Psalm 23, centering, coming back to the good shepherd. Psalm 24 is this. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. That's the other side of the valley. Where were you was two chapters ago. That's a quick turnaround. Through the valley, oh yeah, the king of glory is my good shepherd. So, when we're uncertain, when we're struggling, it's okay to struggle. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to have raw emotions like David. Bring them to the shepherd. Don't stop following. And remember that we are going through. Here on earth, we will live in the tension of these realities all of our days. A fallen world is groaning and waiting for everything to be made right by the ruling and reigning king of kings and lords of lords. But until he's here or we're there, it ain't going to be right. And we're gonna live in the tension and the valley of the shadow of death is gonna be a daily experience for most people on this planet. It may not be all of your day, maybe some of your day, maybe an entire year of your life. It may be five that you've been in this valley of the shadow, but I'm telling you there's another side of the valley we are going through, right? I love the, um, the, the prophet Winston Churchill. He said it like this. If you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> Why would you stop? Why would you just throw up your hands and be like, well, I told you this is who God is. I told you, I heard about this. If we're going through hell, if we're going through the valley of the shadow of death. Keep going. One of the most important things about the valley is that we're following the shepherd. The shepherd sees and knows more than the sheep. The shepherd's been on the other side of the landscape. He knows what where the dangers are, he knows where the streams are. He knows what's coming better than the sheep do. God knows that about us. us. And on the way there will be times of rest and refreshment, but there will also be times of death, sorrow, pain, darkness, and uncertainty. But remember, we have the shepherd king who was on the throne and leading us in the places that we would never go on our own. And then the last word that we're gonna look at is just this word comfort. And I just think that maybe there's some people in the room today that it's like, just receive some comfort today. Just receive some peace. Breathe it in. Where else in your week do you stop and just go, okay. God, I feel like you're somewhere not here. But you are my shepherd. I know that you know what you're doing. I will follow you. I will listen to your voice. You are the king of glory. Thank you. (sighs) Comfort. Just release it. Receive the peace in the presence of the anointing oil of the Father. He leads us into this comfort I will fear no evil for you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now here's the thing, there's a rod and there's a staff. A rod is used, this isn't like the justification for spanking verse, right? The rod is to keep the predators away. The rod is a weapon, it wasn't for the sheep, it was for what threatens the sheep. So the good shepherd is armed with the rod to keep the things that will hurt you Away from you also the rod is how the shepherd counted the sheep because it matters to God how many of his sheep are with him and if you remember Jesus saying I'm the good shepherd and there's sheep out there that aren't in the fold yet we're going after them too so this rod is protection this rod is accounting for you because you're valuable and you matter to God and he knows when you're missing, and he pursues you, and he loves you, and he's inviting you back in to the fold. He's inviting others into the fold. And then he's got this staff to gently guide the sheep, because why? Sheep are dumb, and they don't know where to go. And sometimes, you and me, we're dumb, and we don't know where to go. Or we know exactly where we should go, but for some reason, we went over there. (laughs) Path of righteousness, path of Jason. Why? I'm chief of sinners, but I trust the shepherd and I know that that shepherd is going to use his tools. And sometimes he's going to have to apply some pressure to me to bring me back. That's what he does. That's where the comfort comes from. So let's look at this to close. John 10, verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. The most important thing we see is that whatever your valley, whatever your darkness, whatever your confusion or pain, what gets you through is not believing there is a God or knowing about him, but knowing him, knowing his voice and following him closely and trusting him. Peter said it like this in 1 Peter. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by His wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the Shepherd and Overseer of your souls. We sing that old hymn: "Come, Thou Fount, Prone to Wander, Lord, I feel it, Prone to Leave the God I love." There is something in us, but we are prone. Walk away from the good shepherd. And this morning, I'm just inviting you to come back. Come back. Follow him. Trust him. Lay your life in his hands because he's got a better path marked for you than you have for yourself. You're important. You're strategic for the kingdom. There's glory for God in you being created to live and follow him. And it's a beautiful interaction of those things so in closing i just want to read it one more time the lord is my shepherd should we say it together one more time the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Phil, could you guys come back up? So this morning, here's what we can do. We can move from like some abstract belief in things about God to actually believing him, trusting him, believing that he died for you, believing that forgiveness covers your sin, forgives you of your sin, gives you eternity through Jesus and being able to walk with him and follow the good shepherd. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To support our work, you can like, share, subscribe, or you can donate at rind-church.org.